Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, final hours here. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. We are glad you are with us on the first show of 2024. Uh, and starting tomorrow, it'll be the first show streaming exclusively at Outkick.com. It's the only way to stream the show live starting tomorrow for all of the original and fearless shows it will be at outkick.com you'll be able to catch up on youtube post show but all of our live unfiltered content head over to the watch tab at outkick.com your one-stop shop for all things outkick college football playoff delivered uh, kelly stewart joins us with uh, chad withrow on on the trek back from from Nebraska, I believe he has a layover, and then he's in Omaha, then St. Louis, maybe right now, Kelly. So good luck to good luck to Withrow getting back, and he's back with us tomorrow. Kelly, thank you for filling in for him throughout the last week or so. Absolutely. Listen, it's been a real treat getting to hang out either in studio or working remote. I'm hoping Chad had a wonderful family Same. vacation. Uh, I had to kick my family out and make them go to the beach to watch the sunset so I could do this show in peace. Kick them out that to the, to the sunset at the beach. That's not bad. Bad. Just said, hey, you know, it's beautiful out. You guys should take real advantage. Uh, can you take the dogs with while you're at it? Hey, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I noticed the lack of discussion in the broadcast about Michigan, the scandal, Connor Stallions, Jim Harbaugh, all that. I, it was in a weird way for me, refreshing that I didn't have to think about it all the time. And, and I know the storyline, but it is a massive storyline for the NCAA and just what we had Michigan and watched Michigan go through over the course of the 2023 season. And I'm also subconsciously thinking, is this going to be vacated down the road? And why does anyone care about the fact that it would be when we've all witnessed Michigan beat Alabama and potentially win a title over Washington. I don't understand the timetable of what, what the NCAA is doing, but here we are in 2024 discussing the same slow process that college football and college athletics in general is all about. And who knows? I mean, uh, two or three years from now, we could be watching a super conference that's governed by its own entity and, and, and commissioner more than the NCAA that will just be concluding their investigation in Ann Arbor. Hutton, Connor Stallions was at the football game. Yeah, there were I mean, pictures of people taking selfies with him, and he had good seats. I mean, the fact that ESPN didn't talk about it, does that surprise me? I mean, I, I had the game on. I was watching it. Um, I was also cooking dinner and doing a few other things, so I could have maybe not heard any real discussion of it. But I would not expect anything else from them. They don't, they got to tiptoe around certain issues. But as far as the NCAA goes, taking their sweet time here kind of tells you maybe there's a lot to either unpack or they haven't found enough information or evidence to really be able to lay the hammer here. Uh, 
could they vacate this win later on down the road? Would it surprise any of us? No, but as of right now, I mean, Harbaugh's coaching in the game. Michigan just won. Uh, Connor Stallions, again, in the stands. It doesn't seem like maybe it's all going to be that bad in Ann Arbor come in the next six months or so. Well, and they've, they've doubled down, and they've, again, they put the chips to the middle of the table on Harbaugh and his program with how they've reacted to all of this, continuing with the reports about the 10-year offer that's on the table again for Harbaugh, who is very... I mean, he's a weird dude, but he was also very quiet and soft-spoken where he's handing the mic away very, very quickly, uh, you know, compared to the way he would go through and discuss America's team, his players. Uh, always quirky and uh, bizarre, but I also thought it was bizarre how quiet he was given the fact that they just beat Alabama and they're on to the national championship game as the number one seed and the favorite. Connor Stallions being in, the, in attendance doesn't surprise me. But he attended at least, what, seven games uh, prior to Michigan facing their future opponents uh, per uh, the athletic. Um, I'm, I'm also like, I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's just kind of crazy that what the Big Ten did in the three-game suspension, that, and I said at the time, it will be viewed as their penalty, their punishment has been served, time served, on to the next thing. And that's how ESPN chose to treat it last night. There's no doubt that Fowler and Herbstreet made a conscious effort not to discuss it uh, because Herbstreet was praising Fowler post-game with SVP on uh, Scott Van Pelt's show and said, like, oh, we're, that game is just about the ball. Uh, he loves calling games with Fowler because it's just about the game. That, hearing the Stallions report that he's there and all of the controversy that we've talked about all season, ESPN covered that story. Uh, you know, they they allowed former Michigan players to have the floor on college game day and speak on it. But beyond, you know, the, the storyline, there's a lot of depth to that that was left out of the magnitude of what Michigan accomplished last night. Yeah, I'd like to think that Herb Street and Fowler are professionals. Do you think maybe they got a call that said, hey, keep this to a minimum. I mean, at this point in time in their careers, it's pretty hard to silence them, but there could have been a, yeah, a think, call from higher ups that said, Hey, listen, let's just enjoy this game. I mean, like you said, it was actually a little refreshing just for it to be a football game. And I think we could say that about sports in general, I was still, whatever yeah. happened to it, just being a football game. Yeah. And that's, that's what I enjoy about sports because it can just be about the game. You can make it about that anytime you want. You, just, you go to a stadium, you don't care who you're sitting next to. I love that aspect of what sports brings to the table, especially college football and, and the NFL. But that goes across the board. Uh, and then, you know, the storyline of Washington, where I'm watching Texas have the football in the, the final seconds. I thought the Longhorns were going to score. I thought they were going to the national championship game. Instead, it's Washington who got up big, could have been a, a larger deficit that Texas was facing, and I, I felt like it should have been, and, and it felt like it was a, a, a larger lead than what it was. But Washington holds on with their defense. And now, I we, we're, we discuss a lot about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. The discussion hasn't been really the same with Washington and Oregon. I think it's because the, the Pac-12 is just going away. And as the, the, the light goes out on the Pac-12 after Washington's matchup against, against Michigan, if they win the title, 
there is a massive momentum swing towards the Big Ten and the teams joining in what it means for Ohio State and Michigan. What it means for Penn State, who loses to Ole Miss and doesn't look like a team that would have been deserving of being in a 12-team playoff based on the way we saw them play against top teams like Michigan, Ohio State, and now Ole Miss. All that to say, entering better programs and more talent, what an excellent opportunity for Tony Petiti to put an exclamation point on who's joining and how fast all of that's coming together. I, uh, for one, think it's going to be a rude awakening for uh, Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. Now you're changing where you're recruiting from. You're changing uh, hands as far as money goes, right? We know Texas has some of the deepest pockets in college football. But now you're not competing against the K-States of the world. You're competing against the Alabamas of the world, the Georgias of the world. I think it's going to be really interesting. Missouri, um, been in the SEC for a little over a decade now. Hey. They finally got to make a statement, uh, winning 10 games, now 11 with their bowl game. Uh, This is an interesting, very interesting dynamic here because are Texas and Oklahoma going to turn into Mizzou, which could take a little while and actually have a presence? Or are they going to be like a Texas A&M where we see them on a coaching carousel for the next decade where nothing's ever good enough? No matter how much oil money you have, you can't buy yourself a national championship, but you're absolutely right. I'm excited, not from a geographical perspective. I think it's going to be weird to see, uh, you know, big 10 games after dark. You know, we used to call them Pac-12 after dark, start here at 11, you know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m. here on the East Coast. I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, we'll call it like a home field advantage, if you will, right? You know, when teams have to go to Hawaii to play, we know it kind of messes with their their rhythm. Going to, you know, uh, the Coliseum. Wisconsin going to play USC in the Coliseum, like two completely different styles of play. The the four teams uh, going to the big 10 from the PAC 12, I think are going to be oddly weird. I think it's going to have such a different dynamic. It's going to be a really fun uh, scenario to handicap that we only got to really for bowl games and every once in a while, some of those early non-conference games, Uh, but Texas, Oklahoma going to the sec. I'm just kind of like, eh, but Washington, USC, uh, UCLA, not so much. Definitely Oregon. I can picture Oregon going to play Rutgers now at 9 a.m. on a on an early Saturday morning. 17 and a half point favorite. Somehow Rutgers covers because Oregon just didn't care. Oh, I, so it, with Texas, did Oklahoma, they're they're still ahead of the vast majority. I mean, with Texas finished fourth or fifth in the national recruiting rankings. This past year, and you've still got Oklahoma that's right there, too. Uh, that I'm fascinated to see the matchups out of the gate. And all the recruiting, you're right. Uh, that, that changes, too, based on the transfer portal and what we're seeing across college football. From this perspective, I, I'm going to get the Vegas uh, mentality, Kelly, from you, just to, from, from this question. So DJU is transferring to Florida State, and they've got their quarterback. They were down to just one scholarship quarterback. Now they've got DJU. What does a what does a transfer do to the perception of the program from the Vegas line? It, how much does a quarterback not playing affect the college game compared to the NFL? Is it drastically more or less than what we would see at the pro level? Well, it depends. It depends on all on who your backup is, right? You can have. Uh, we spoke about this. Let's use this as an example. We spoke about this about the Pop Tart Bowl, right? Yeah. When Will Howard transferred. Uh, 
Offensive coordinator took a new job. We saw the line drop a point and a half. And in reality, it didn't matter because the difference between the starter and the backup was essentially a non-issue. There was no points difference, right? Now, let's just say it was going to be DJ and Jordan Travis was coming back, right? And one of them had to be the backup. I think we could argue there might be a half a point difference here. That's where it gets really dicey. Whereas um, you and I spoke about Joe Flacco versus DTR. Well, yes. That's a pretty big drop off. I'd say about four and a half points. And, and but PJ Walker to DTR, oh, about a point. And that's where you have to really get into the, like the depths of the teams. And that's why I always tell people find a conference and focus on it. If you're looking to handicap, there's too many college football teams. It's no different than a backup point guard for a college basketball team. A point guard gets hurt going into the next game. Well, let's look at what his backups been able to do. We have a guy that, you know, comes in and plays a decent number of minutes and, you know, is good for eight or nine points a game versus a guy who's never seen the court. And as a true freshman, well, we've got to really be able to look at that. And you can in the NFL because there's only 32 teams. College football is much deeper and much more intricate. I always buy a Phil Steele. I always uh, try to listen to guys who, well, have followed these kids since high school, right? Because now all of a sudden you have a kid that's never seen the field. Well, of course, I knew Avery Johnson was uh, a serviceable backup because I've been following this kid since he was 16 years old in hopes that he would come play at my university. Uh, speaking of not playing uh, at, at a university next year, Cam Ward is transferring to the NFL draft. Uh, it, he was long linked to Ohio State. That's not happening. Uh, at The Washington State quarterback headed pro. And what's interesting is it doesn't appear as though he's hiring an agent, which means he could come back. Um, that's fascinating but he's clearly got enough information to make the jump. We've got Jim Nagy of the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl coming up, who scouts the country with 18 of his staff members and scouts and former scouts. Uh, I'm interested to get his assessment of where Ward stacks up with the other quarterbacks. And there is a ton of quarterbacks going in the draft this year. Kelly, I, I know it's uh, maybe it's a prop bet that won't be out for a long time or even offered at some sports books, but the first round quarterbacks, maybe an over under instead of who goes where. Uh, it's always, I feel like, lower than the perceived number, but I don't know how high we're going to have it. And it may be the, the highest number we've ever seen in the first round of the NFL draft as far as the over under and the, the perceived quarterbacks that teams are going to go after. Yeah. Every year it's like four and a half, five and a half, somewhere in that number. I'm actually looking right now to see if I can find it on DraftKings. Maybe them or FanDuel might have it out uh, already. Look, bottom line, what, what are we seeing here? We just talked to John. John said, Quinn Ewers, guess what? He needs to go back to college. You know why? Because there's way too many guys declaring uh, for the NFL draft. And I understand why Cam Ward wants to, but here we go. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix. Yep. Is J.J. McCarthy going to go? Well, he hasn't said anything yet because he's still going to be playing for a national championship, but I can argue that maybe if he plays for a national championship, he wants to go. Uh, so you kind of have to wonder here, right? And then we've got guys, like you said, DJ transferring from Oregon State, K.J. Jefferson, um, Will Howard was still talking about going to the NFL draft from Kansas state. I think actually he is going to be the one going to Ohio state. Some of these guys need to wait. Cam Ward, very, very athletic quarterback, put up some decent numbers, you know, Washington state, 
was just an okay football team last year. But you kind of have to wonder if he's not hiring an agent, that's because he wants to see if he is going to get drafted and right. give himself the opportunity because there are plenty of schools that need starting quarterbacks, right? We know that Miami might uh, be a spot where he would fit in really well in that offense. I mean, he is a junior, so that's something he needs to consider. I don't know if he got bad advice. If it's something he just wants to do, maybe he is trying to kick around to see what his NIL money's worth. Yeah, or maybe he just didn't get the the type of offers that he thought he was going to receive in the portal, so he exited, and now he's going to get, uh, maybe it's not a higher number, but more than whatever he would have received in the portal through, like you're saying, name, image, likeness with the with all the collectives there. So he's not immediately signed with agent. I think that's that's important, and he's immediately into training for the draft instead of taking any suitors uh, through college football. As far as the NFL goes, the playoff picture right now, here's who's clinched his playoff spot in the NFL going into week 18 for the AFC. The Ravens, your number one seed. You have the Dolphins still at the two spot in the AFC despite their loss to Baltimore. They have a matchup coming to get up against Buffalo we'll speak on in a moment. Kansas City at three. Browns, they've clinched the five spot. But the third seed right now, Kelly, is Kansas City, and they hang on and win against Cincinnati this past weekend. I know that was a game you were eager to watch based on Cincinnati's defense and the success that they've had in recent games against Mahomes. It's still a Chiefs offense, though, that is – it's just something that I can't trust. And the only thing I do trust in is the low scoring – not the perceived Mahomes magic. It's just not there, and it's not his fault. I would say it's a little bit his fault. I don't want to give him no fault. But even with even, zero. even with the magic that he was praised for in the past, he's thrown bad picks. But it's uh, they overcome that in the moments. In the moments, for the most part, Kansas City isn't that. It isn't that same team that is they they can still be clutch. They've got Mahomes. He's clutch. But they don't have the clutch players around him where just by a look, other than Kelsey, everything's cool, calm, and collected, regardless if they're running the proper play or not. Yeah, nothing is still cool cool, calm and collected. If you watch that Bengals game, it was re- it took him a while. I mean, yeah. I had a girlfriend who's a diehard Chiefs fan who was coming over for New Year's. And I said, hey, dinner's at, you know, seven o'clock. She goes, I won't be over till after the game. I said, relax. She goes, I'm not leaving my couch. She goes, they have ruined my New Year's, you know, because they were down to the Bengals 17-7 at one point in time. And did they come back? That's what the Chiefs are supposed to do, right? That's what we've seen them do. Was I surprised they came back, won that game and covered? Line was close six and a half. They won that game by eight. Now they've clinched the AFC West. Nobody's going to play this week, right, uh, against the Chargers. They're, you know, they three-point underdogs to the Chargers. That tells you everything you need to know. Uh, they're going to rest everybody, try to heal up a few injuries. But what I think they need to be doing is uh, is getting in some good reps and practice because outside of Rashi Rice, these wide receivers have just been so frustrating and you see it come out on Mahomes's face. Yes. You see it on the sidelines. You see Kelsey frustrated with himself. And while you don't see very much from Andy, he still is. He's pretty good at having the poker face. You know, uh, you can definitely tell it's it's there's an issue there. Right. And would, would anybody be shocked for the chiefs to go out 
and win the AFC and go back, go way back in the Super Bowl. A 10 and six Chiefs team still to this day, I don't think anybody would be like, I can't believe the Chiefs just went on a heck of a playoff run because it's so expected from this team. Yeah, and I mean, they would have to do it by going on the road to Baltimore, potentially against Miami, but maybe Buffalo, which again, there's plenty of storyline there as the three seed. Uh, over in the NFC, Kelly, uh, looking at the uh, the teams that have clinched their six, there's one spot up for grabs. 49ers, your one seed, locked in. You have the, or excuse me, the 49ers, one seed, locked into the division. You've got the Cowboys and the Lions at two and three. Cowboys winning, Philadelphia losing. That's why the Cowboys are at two. Eagles have clinched a spot. They're currently the fifth seed, followed by the Rams at six. The potential comes down to who's going to win the NFC South. Buccaneers take on the Packers this week. Buccaneers are at eight and eight. And you have the Saints, or excuse me, Buccaneers and Packers are matched up for the seventh seed. You also have Seahawks, Saints, and Vikings on the outside looking in. But really, the two teams with a prayer, the Bucks and the Packers, and Green Bay, at eight and eight, Buccaneers at eight and eight. I don't care who comes out of the South or if the Packers get in. It's not a uh, a matchup that I'm looking forward to watching, even if we're going to see the NFC South champ hosting a game. Yeah, look, the NFC South. Have uh, you watched any part of that Saints game last week? I had the Saints in a teaser, which means I just needed them to lose by less than a, a touchdown. Pretty much, it was just. It was bad. I mean, all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield turned into a pumpkin. Yes. And the Bucks defense, you, you have to go, where is Todd Bowles? I thought you were a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. Uh, I did feel bad for some of my Bucks fans down here in Central Florida. But outside of that, now they have an easy, quote-unquote, easy win over the Panthers that are 2-14 and 14 and have should have all but cashed it in. But like I asked uh, John in the last segment, I want to know. Some of these teams still want to play spoiler. They have not quit on their season, even though we'd like to think they have. Tampa has Carolina, and if they win, they're in. They, they win the NFC South. Atlanta takes on New Orleans. Atlanta needs a win and a Tampa Bay loss to get in as the NFC South division title winner uh, alphas and betas of the weekend alphas is where we're going to start today and we've had some contenders but we start just with the washington huskies in general 10 wins now of 10 points or less and the underdog factor is playing into the storyline of here's who no one expected to go unbeaten and they could finish the season perfect and they would need a win over michigan who could also finish the season perfect. What, what an excellent championship game we have coming up. And Michael Penix Jr., who is, while I think the, the average college football fan knows him, they haven't watched him total in, in the, the totality of the season. Maybe just glimpses saw last night. But what we saw last night is a quarterback that can lead his team to a title. And they've got credit here. Yeah. I, again, I said this earlier in the show. I think John football, I mean, it, you've got multi interest in the Washington Huskies. I told you that I had and shouldn't have that uh, a, a first place, if you will. That's why I even through some of those, like you mentioned, weather games, through some of those trials and tribulations, uh, you know, Washington State, that was historically one of those games where you want to take the underdog. And they were able to go in there, get a win, and get out, move on to the next game. And I think a lot of people didn't have 
multiple opportunities to watch this team. I think the first time most of America watched them was during the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I could not believe how Maybe many people so. were shocked that they beat Texas this year. But again, I almost got discredited because I'm a well-known Texas hater. Uh, no, I just like betting against this team. Uh, we'll go rapid fire here. Lamar Jackson, do you have the MVP odds now and just how lopsided it is uh, between the other options? Lamar Jackson is crushing and playing so great and he's going to win his second MVP award. You know, I never used the word lock ever in my entire career. John used it. Yeah, he's a lock. He's minus 20,000 at most wow. American sports books. A second, second place isn't even close. It's not even close anymore, Hutton. And that's the thing. He has just completely run away with it from basically the last three weeks since Brock Purdy, actually last two weeks, since Brock Purdy lost to the Ravens, it has flipped in Lamar's favor, and now he is in a dead sprint to win it. Uh, the the Iowa Hawkeyes, one of our betas, they go out in fashion like the offense should, not scoring in the bowl game against Tennessee. And how about Carolina owner David Tepper and what he did? Chucking, I mean, what's he doing uh, in this? Uh, chucking the bottle into the stands and throwing the drink on a Jaguars fan. The most you can find an owner in the NFL is $500,000. But an owner throwing something at a fan, suspension. But I'm not sure what, what that could cause either. This, I, I'm, I'm certain that Goodell can do more than just suspend an owner. He can dock a draft pick. But again, Goodell works for the owners. The owners will have Goodell do something about this action. Yeah, that's embarrassing. You know, we all kind of, listen, we criticized Brittany Mahomes for spraying champagne on the crowd. That's just sticky, smelly, like feet, water, you know, doesn't hurt anybody, but it's still not classy. This is a bottle and then an actual drink. Uh, You're an owner of an NFL team. I understand getting emotional as a, a fan, I understand when you get frustrated and you want to do things. Yeah, as an owner, you you just can never. You you it's just it's beyond inexcusable. I mean, also, why are the windows open? I get it, it's probably a beautiful day there, but like if I am I I think if I'm the person in charge of that room, I'd be like, we should just keep these windows closed. You could clearly tell he had just had enough at that point in time. Yeah, and they're still silent, to my knowledge, of the last couple of hours here. The NFL has acknowledged awareness of the video, but has said nothing else. Uh, same goes for Tepper on this. Um, neither uh, the the team nor the league provided any further comment. They they will be commenting soon, no doubt. Coming up, we dive in to the talent on the field in the college football playoff, what it means for the NFL draft. We'll also discuss some of the the potential playoff matchups. What's at stake in week 18? And Jim Nagy's take, his perception of who's playing the best right now going into the postseason. That's straight ahead. Hot Mike with Hutton with her rolls on. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. 
Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hot Mike with Head of Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, live from 6th and Peabody with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us, streaming today, Outkick.com, and also starting tomorrow, that's the only place to catch Outkick's Original and Fearless show, live. It's going to be on our website, outkick.com. You'll be able to catch up on YouTube. But for all live content and unfiltered content, you head over to outkick.com. You click the Watch tab, and you'll have everything right there available to you. One-stop shop. Kelly Stewart, in for Chad Withrow. And we say hello to Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, who scouts the country for the NFL's best headed into the NFL Draft. Jim, happy new year to you, and uh, thanks for joining us in what is a very busy time for you. Yeah, hey, Jonathan, Kelly, uh, happy new year. Good to be on. So uh, just your overview of the two matchups we saw last night and the talent that's on the field that we will see on the field next year at the NFL level. Well, we got lucky, didn't we? Um, we went through this crazy bowl season where, I don't know, I didn't watch much of it, and then... Uh, we get to the two games that mattered and man, they were great. Um, so it was, a, it was a weird night for me. I, it was a house divided. Uh, I'm a Michigan grad. My wife is a Bama grad. Um, as much as Michigan has kind of stumbled over themselves, the last two CFPs, I was just hoping for a good game. And then we got to halftime. I'm like, all right, let's win this thing. So um, those games didn't disappoint. The two great games, great players stepped up um, really for all four teams. I mean, guys stepped up in big moments for, for all four teams and, uh, we couldn't ask for better, better matchups. And in, in this one, Michigan, Washington should be great. I want to get your, your take on two of the quarterbacks we watched last night and, and the, the winners here, JJ McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. Let's start with McCarthy, uh, Jim. I, I see a lot of mock drafts out there. I don't know if you're into that or not, but I, I like the perception <laughs> of where players are, at least in the mindset of those that are just chatting this time of year. Is he, when, well, I, you, when you watch just the efficiency and the Harbaugh tie into the perception that Harbaugh has the, the, the NFL style and, and grooming a quarterback in, in teaching a quarterback, do you buy into that as a scout and as a, uh, as a club that's bringing scouts together this time of year or will very soon with the general manager that is solely focused on having the best possible quarterback on his roster? Okay, so we got a lot of ground to cover. One, um, I'm not a huge fan of mock drafts other than the fact that they keep the draft conversation going throughout the year. So yeah. I love them for that. I don't love them because sometimes they set unrealistic, unrealistic expectations up for the players. Um, just got off the phone to the player today who was in a bunch of mock first round drafts over the summer. Um, and he's probably going to be a fourth round draft pick. And he, he, you know, that's tough for a player to hear. 
But to JJ, uh, yes, the offense at Michigan is apples to apples. You're running a lot of pro concepts. It helps evaluators. Um, there are offenses out there in college football that are really tough. Um, and I'm not going to name schools because that that's not that's not in my best interest. Okay. But there, there are certainly some quarterbacks out there that you watch their college tape, um, and it makes for a really difficult evaluation. Now, sometimes that's a great selling point for the Senior Bowl because we can tell those guys to come down here and, you know, show themselves a little bit. But really where we're at with football, in you know, in general in college football, we're seeing all these guys look to the sideline and, you know, they hold up a cue card of Barney Rubble and, you know, whatever, some emoji yeah. um, for, a play, for a play call. So, you know, down here, they do get to huddle up. They do get to call cadence, all that stuff. Um, but with J.J., going back to J.J. McCarthy, um, we saw him cut it loose a little bit. You know, that first throw of the night that, that we thought we all thought was going to be an interception. And as a Michigan fan, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't <laughs> believe it's starting like this. But he settled in. Um, you saw the athlete. He moved around well. He ripped some throws. The kid's got a really live arm, um, a really live arm. So, um, you know, and he made that critical throw late in the game to Roman Wilson, which I don't know how it maintained its spiral. Um, maybe it was such a tight ball coming off his hand that it still got tipped and, and, and maintained a spiral. Um, huge play in the game. And he needed to play well. That was, you know, like he was a little up and down. He missed some throws over the course of the game. But when they needed him on that final drive, he stepped up. And again, I think everyone said he needed to play his best game for them to beat Bama. He didn't play his best game. He played good enough. I do think he's going to have to play his best game of the season to beat Washington. And then there's Michael Penix Jr., Jim Nagy with us, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, Penix Jr., speaking of spinning it, that guy lasered some throws last night. He's going to be 24 years old in May, and the injury history is there. How much does, do those two factors play a role in where he would stack up right now at the next level? Yeah, those those red flags are real. Um, so the, the teams will address those. I don't think the age is that much of a big deal. Okay. I think uh, when you read social media, a lot of the a lot of the analytics people point to that a lot. I think football people have moved away from that age thing because again, w when you and I were were growing up, like guys were done in their early 30s. Their NFL careers were over. I mean, you, you remember like Dan Fouts when he was like 31, 32, he could barely walk off a football field. Um, these guys now they take such good care of themselves. They're all playing into their, you know, mid to late thirties. If, if, you know, if they're good enough. Um, I mean, I think the hope for most clubs is you get, you get two contracts out of a player, you know, regardless of position, if you can get a guy for two contracts, so that's, you know, eight or nine seasons, that's an incredible draft pick. Um, if you can make that. So I don't think that's going to be a big deal. I think the injury stuff will. But again, I just go back to a guy like Brett Favre. Um, that was my first job in the NFL back in 1996. So I, you know, was in the building, heard a lot of things about when that trade came down with Brett Favre. It was a few years before I got there. Um, but the medical people stepped in. You know, they had failed Brett Favre on his physical coming out of Southern Miss. The Falcons took him in the first round. The Packers, GM Ron Wolf wanted to make the trade for him year two. And the Packers medical people blocked, tried to block the trade. Um, and they're like, no, he's not going to stay healthy. Well, Ron Wolf pulled the power play. They trade for him. Ron Wolf ends up in the Hall of Fame because of the trade. Um, and the rest is history. Brett Favre's the all-time Ironman. So when it comes to the injury stuff, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. I think the fact that Michael has made it through two college seasons now healthy. Um, you know, if you're in his corner, if you're selling him in a draft room, you just point to that. This guy's played like 27 straight games and he hasn't been hurt. So um, those are factors, but yeah, going back to the skill set, 
I first saw him three summers ago at the Manning camp and as impressive as it is live or it is, you know, on TV, when you see this kid throw in person, like he's got a big time, big time NFL arm. So um, that was a lot of fun watching him do his thing last night. Jim, I have some questions about the future of college football. As far as the bowl games go, you mentioned you didn't watch any, I watched a lot and some of them were rather painful. Uh, the Georgia Florida state one most recently, because maybe Florida state didn't care. I'm curious to see what you're hearing, what your opinion is, whatever that is. What are we looking at next year? We have a 12 team college football playoff. Are we going to see the end of bowls here sometime soon? That is a great question, Kelly. Um, I've seen a lot of radical ideas out there and I'd be open to all of them. If I were, if I were college football, I do think we're moving to a place. I think everyone agrees that college football needs its its own governing body. You know, I mean, I just doesn't make sense that like women's gymnastics and men's tennis are governed by the same body that governs football. Right. Um, so I think we're heading in that direction, which will be good. I mean, I, again, what these games have basically become is a glorified spring ball. You know, you're almost getting a, a foreshadowing of the next season which, uh, you know, to me, I've, I've seen maybe move them to the spring. That's interesting. I've heard about move them to week zero um, and make the bowl games in week zero. So you get some really cool head-to-head matchups to start the year. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I haven't given it too much thought. I'm too concerned with <laughs> putting our roster together. I do know that that what's, you know, this isn't what we're, we've grown up watching, right? Like I just remember growing up as a kid and laying around the, the living room with my family and watching big time bowl games with big time players that were going on in the NFL. It's, it's hard when there's no star power in the bowl games, you know, and, it, and this is my sixth year at the senior bowl. And uh, the first couple of years I used to watch the bowl games and sweat it out every week, you know, that our, our players would get through the game injury free. And that's kind of what I was doing last night in those four games. We had a, we probably had 25 guys playing in those two games last night. So you're just sitting there crossing your fingers, but even in the six years I've been in this role, um, our players have stopped playing in bowl games, so I don't have to sweat it out anymore. I mean, it's just, again, in such a short period of time, you're getting all these NFL players. They're just not playing in it. So um, something has to be done. I don't know what that answer is, um, but something needs to be done for sure. Well, let's talk about that senior bowl. You guys actually added three Georgia players after uh, that Florida State beatdown. That's great news. Who should we be keeping an eye on here uh, when this game kicks off? I'm I'm excited to kind of see what is going to be showcased here. Well, I'm excited about this year's roster. It's it's going to be our most talented game ever. Um, you know, at least since the you know before the juniors could be in the draft or whatever that was 20 years ago. You know, if you were at the senior bowl, all these guys were, were the top guys. Um, but the juniors have affected us over the years, but now that we can get juniors for the first time ever. Um, and we just added a junior at Georgia today. We can't announce those guys for another, um, a week from today, we'll have a special on the NFL network where we talk about all the juniors. So, um, it's exciting. You brought up lad McConkey. I mean, he's a fun one. Anyone that watches SEC football the last couple of years, he's he's a really fun player to watch. He's he's uh, you know, sometimes I shy away from the player comparison thing and you do the white receiver to white receiver thing. It seems a little lazy with Cooper Cup, um, but he does have some Cooper Cup to him. He really does. And and I think what people don't get with Ladd is how fast he is. And, and he was banged up a lot this year. But you talk to the people at Georgia, he's going to be a high four, three, low four, four guy. And he's uh and you saw it on that double pass the other day in the bowl game where they threw it to him and he was looking to throw and nothing was there. So he just took off. I mean, 
that's that just that showcased what Lad is as an athlete. He's a really good playmaker. So that was a that was a fun one. It's great having playmakers in the game. Like like last year we had you know Tank Dell and Jaden Reed and Puka Nakua, all these guys that are blowing up in the NFL this year. I think Lad could be that guy a year from now. We're sitting here 12 months from now, and Lad's at the end of a really good rookie year in the NFL. Jim Nagy's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Cam Ward is declaring for the NFL draft, but he's not hiring an agent. Um, so he pulls out of the portal, going to the NFL draft. He's beginning workouts today. Can you contact him immediately? Like, I know that, but do you because of the junior aspect? And I'm curious, I mean, you just call the player directly? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we certainly can. And Cam's a senior, so he didn't have to like declare or anything like that. He was, I mean, we could have reached out to him, invited him, you know, a month ago or whatever. Um, but that's what we're doing with the juniors. Yeah, we're waiting to see that public declaration on social media. And then once we see that, that kind of gives us an opportunity to reach out to the player. But we've been back channeling this stuff with the juniors for over a month now. And, and I was very open with the NFL when they talked about this junior thing, I said, guys, there's no way for me to do this other than, you know, through the agent community. And right. that's been the night. That's been the nice thing about NIL is all these kids have agents already. So, you know, there is someone to contact regarding these players. And so we've been lining that up. It's like, okay, is this guy going to leave? Do you think he's going to come out? And if he does, do you want him to play in the senior bowl or not? And then we, we have those discussions. So it's been, it's been ongoing probably the last four or five weeks since the end of the season. Um, but yeah, once they publicly declare, then, then usually I track down a number from an agent or a teammate, um, and we hit them up that way. Final, uh, five minutes or so here, Jim, Jim Nagy with this, uh, Reese's senior bowl. Let's put the scout hat on. Let's let's go back to the NFL. Uh, I never take it off, Jonathan. I, know. I never take the scout hat off. Maybe from, I don't know from the pro personnel department. You may, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I know you watch a lot of it, a ton of it, which teams right now are playing their best going into week 18 and into the playoffs. And, I mean, teams that were playing great half of the year, three quarters of the year, slipping up a bit right now. How much does that, to you, really matter if they're, the, the teams that we saw play so well are not necessarily doing it right now, even though they're going to be in the postseason? I think it matters a lot. I think it matters a lot. Going back to my time in New England, Coach Belichick always stressed you know, playing your best ball after Thanksgiving and really uh, the build after Thanksgiving, you want to be, this is the time you want to be peaking. I, I do think there's something to that. And when you look at what's going on in the league, I don't get to watch a lot of NFL tape anymore, but I do talk a lot, talk to a lot of friends around the league. And then, you know, we'll have conversations based off, you know, who they've played or who they're getting ready to play and who they've watched and really studied. And, and um, the Baltimore Ravens right now, to me, look like the class of the NFL they are embarrassing people, you know, whether it's San Francisco, Miami. I mean, they've taken on some really good teams lately and, and just embarrassed them. And you don't you don't handle teams in the NFL. They're putting up college type scores right now. And, and, and we just don't see that. Right. So I think they're, they're kind of the class of it right now. I think San Francisco and the NFC is probably the team. And then the Detroit Lions, um, you know, that's a team built off emotion and toughness and grit. We all know that, you know, that's what we've you know, Dan Campbell has really put a stamp on this football team. And coming off that, what happened in Dallas the other night, you're, you're going to have a really pissed off football team, for lack of yes. a better a better phrase. You're going to have a, you're going to have a pissed off team, you know, heading into the playoffs. They're going to have something to prove. They feel like they've been wronged. Um, so to me, that's a dangerous team. You know, they they and they got nothing to lose. They really don't. I mean, it's a it's a franchise that's won one playoff game since 1957. 
Um, so, so they're going to, they're going to get in and, and let it rip. So I think those are the three teams right now that kind of, to me, stand head and shoulders. Um, uh, but that what Baltimore's doing, going back to Baltimore, they're, 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 when, when the quarterback, when Lamar plays the way he played lights out the other day, there, nobody can beat that team. Jim, as much as I'd love Baltimore to win the Super Bowl, I am a big fan of underdogs. So I'm not going to let you off the hook, giving me the three chalk uh, as, as a <laughs> Super Bowl winner. Give me somebody deep, like somebody sitting on the verge of the point, like give me like the Pittsburgh Steelers, how rejuvenated they are with Mason Rudolph. Somebody like that, that you think maybe can win a playoff game or two, maybe not a Super Bowl, but someone to look out for over the next, a team to look out for over the next couple of weeks. Well, Kelly, I watched the Steelers Seahawks the other day because the Hawks were the last team I worked for. So I still that's that's kind of when I watched the NFL, that's my team. Um, and they lined up for they ran the ball 46 times the other day against the Seahawks and just ran it down their throat on the road. I mean, that was a must win for Seattle. Um, they had to win that game at home. And you're 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 I mean, no offense to Mason Rudolph, he's a senior bowl alum. Love you, Mason, but like you would think that would be a game that Seattle could go get. So I don't know. I mean, you kind of laid it out. You kind of set it up for me there with Pittsburgh. I mean, that's a good one. I mean, Mike Tomlin, I saw this, I saw the the graphic that they put on the TV the other day of the most seasons without, you know, most winning seasons or non-losing seasons in a row. And it was like George Hallis, Bill Belichick, um, you know, Don Shula and Mike Tomlin. It was insane. Maybe it was Bill Walsh, but um, so you never count them out. And then I'm just trying to think of a team in the NFC, if they get in, they, I mean, I think if Tampa, I mean, I, I think Tampa, you, we saw Baker get hot in Green Bay a couple of weeks ago. Um, they've got enough playmakers that, that maybe Tampa could do something if they squeeze in. But I don't know, whoever, whoever comes out of that NFC South is going to be the underdog. So, so I think if Tampa gets in, I, I just Baker's a guy like on, on, on any given Sunday, Baker's a guy that can get it done. And how about the Cleveland Browns and, and what Joe Flacco's been doing? And, and you've been behind the scenes. Losing and then playing four different quarterbacks in a season. And for the Browns to have 11 wins right now is nuts to me, Jim. And I would throw them into the mix as well. I, I would too. And I lived there for, for almost five years when I worked for the Patriots. I lived in Cleveland. My sister still lives there. So they're, I'm attached to some Browns folks. And uh, I, br I brought up the Lions playoff drought. I mean, the Browns are kind of a, a long-suffering fan base too. Um, give it to Andrew Barry, their GM. I mean, you've seen a lot of teams right now stumble around trying to navigate the backup quarterback thing um, and bring it in Joe Flacco, man. That was the, yeah. that was a great answer for them. That's, I mean, to me, the blueprint, bring in a guy that's been there, done that. And, it, and, and I'll say this, another guy, another team, another GM that doesn't get, isn't getting credit right now is Chris Ballard in Indy. Look what Gardner Minshew has been able to do. Here we are going into week 17 or week 18, whatever, I guess week 18 now. Um, 17th game and they've got the Colts on the verge of a playoff for us. I mean, they, they lose the guy, they invest the number four overall pick in, they bring in Gardner, no lot, not much fanfare. No one really talks about it. And here we are, they're whatever they are. They're nine and seven. They're, they're getting ready to win 10 games in Indy. So um, hats off to hats off to Andrew Barry hats off to, to Chris Ballard for the, for, you know, finding a solution at that spot. No doubt. Indy, they need a win and a Jacksonville loss. They get in. They would have their 10th win. They face the uh, Indy faces Houston, Jacksonville facing Tennessee. Jim Nagy joins us weekly. Always great to catch up and scout college football and more. Jim, uh, get some rest, man. Uh, busy stretch coming up and no uh, time to rest. Hey, the sprint, no time to the rest sprint right is now. here as you get uh, all the commitments <laughs> and what's going to be a solid matchup. And, uh, and I've said this for a long time, but Kelly, uh, th this, this game, the senior bowl is to me, 
better than the combine. Pads on. You're actually practicing all week. You get to move guys around to different positions. It's excellent. And it sets up for what's going to be a, a stacked top 100 in the upcoming NFL draft in April. Jim, thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Jim Nagy there from the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, So right now, if you want some Outkick gear, you can head over to the Outkick store. Uh, It's officially live, outkick.com. And you can stock up on all the golf polos, T-shirts, hats, and more. That's shop.outkick.com. It is time for some NFL overreaction. Davey Hudson jumps into the mix now as we uh, close out with some interesting topics and discussion, uh, realistic or overreaction from the National Football League going into Week 18. What's up, David? Uh, what's up, guys? Like you mentioned it earlier, Week 18, everything coming down the stretch, and it's win or go home time for a lot of these teams. So we'll start with one team that I think a lot of people are riding uh, the hot hand right now, but Buffalo will win the AFC East. So I, I went back and forth on this matchup, knowing what we saw in Baltimore and knowing what we've seen from Buffalo in recent weeks, the fact that this game for Miami is on the road, that factors in to uh, what I'm playing into this. I'm taking Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins it. And I, I think they are, I think they're better suited, Kelly. This sounds strange. I think Buffalo is built to win on the road. I'm not sure that when it comes down to some of the worst weather that Miami could face, that that's the best for their offense in what has been a defensive-minded league right now. And we saw what happened this past week. We've seen what happened to Miami in previous matchups against quality opponents. And while they beat Dallas, I'm still looking around going, who is Miami and where do they fit? Are they on the top shelf or are they the shelf below? I'm looking at Buffalo in the same way. They're not top shelf, but they're playing top shelf football right now. You know, one of our guests earlier, uh, John, said this. Dolphins are banged up, right? Tua got hurt against the Ravens. Uh, We knew that Tyreek Hill has been limited. We understand that Jalen Waddell is still questionable to return. Yeah, you're right. Raheem Mostert, you know, he got hurt. Something happened to his knee there in the Ravens game. There's a lot of question marks in this game. It makes me really apprehensive as the person holding the Dolphins to win the AFC East ticket. But Josh Allen, he has not done anything. You got Josh Allen, who kind of got a little banged up against the Patriots, but he's only averaged 166 passing yards over the last three games. How is he going to go into Miami and out throw Tua and this offense. I think there is a massive overreaction to what we saw last week in Baltimore. I think Baltimore is head and shoulders better than both of these teams. I like Miami to not, as I mentioned earlier, I made a mistake and hedged my college football pool. I am not hedging my AFC East ticket. Yeah. And this isn't really a situation where it's like, Oh, if you lose Buffalo, you're likely going to be a wild card spot. It's either they pretty much get the second overall seed in the AFC or they're going home. So tons of stuff riding online. Speaking of winner, go home. Tampa Bay will miss the playoffs by losing to Carolina this weekend. That's an overreaction. Tampa Bay is winning. Um, Baker Mayfield, while he, he tripped and didn't win, and he hasn't played well uh, as of he's been perfect in the weeks prior. And this is the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers have an owner that's throwing drinks at fans. I mean that they Carolina has one more game and it's on to locker cleanout day, and they should go. I mean they've had the locker cleaned out for weeks now. Uh, Tampa, Tampa wins this game, Kelly. 
Yeah, there's a lot of injury, though, on uh, the defensive side of the ball. Shaquille Barrett uh, is still questionable, and that makes me nervous. Obviously, we're talking about this on a Tuesday. Is he going to play? Of course he's going to play. Is he going to be 100%? Something to think about there. I love taking five-and-a-half-point underdogs in the NFL, particularly at home. I might end up on the Panthers here, but I would have to say I do think the Bucs will win this game. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on uh, kind of what happened last weekend. Your owner gets in a little bit of trouble. Sometimes those distractions can affect a team, at least from a locker room perspective. So keep an eye there uh, on if anything actually happens in the next, uh, you know, six days regarding that. And Tepper's also after the Titans game here in Nashville, he's screaming, coming out of the locker room, fires Frank Reich the next day. Offensive coordinator already been fired. Like it's a, uh, it's not a great scene in Carolina. This is a, a bit different from Todd Bowles' perspective behind the scenes. And the draft right now, Curtis, or thanks to Carolina, runs through Chicago. A lot of difficult decisions that that organization is going to have to make over the course of this offseason, but Chicago should fire Matt Eberflus. So th- this is not an overreaction to me, but, but I have a caveat. I don't, I've got a very short list of coaches that would determine the answer to this and the path and the plan that they have been on over the last three years. They went through salary cap hell for two years. They had the most money last year, didn't bring in the right players. Some of the players they did was via trade with more. He has synced up well with Justin Fields. I, I like Justin Fields. I think if you invest around him, he can be a winning quarterback. He's, you know, he's on a bad roster right now. He doesn't have the, the, the help around him. I want to know what that plan was about, but also... I mean, it, where's where's Jim Harbaugh going? Is he, if you know he's going to the Chargers, then if you're not going, if you're going big or going home, then you stay at home with Eberflus and you run it back another year. Given the plan and you're backing the options that you're going to have in the offseason and the fact you have two first round picks, that would be my answer. I think it's an overreaction right now that he's going to be fired, but it's because I I believe they get the idea that Harbaugh's going elsewhere. They have an opportunity to win eight games. What is wrong with Chicago fans? This is what they do. They run there with torches. They want people fired. They want to draft a new quarterback. If it's not a coaching carousel, it's a quarterback carousel. This man went three and 14 the year before. Matt Nagy, six and 11, eight and eight, eight and eight. 12 and four when they lost in the playoffs. That was a painful one with a missed field goal. Prior to that, John Fox, five and 11. Three and 13, six and 10, five and 11, eight and eight with Mark Trustman. I mean, what are we doing here? If this man wins eight games, you keep Justin Fields, you keep him, you get your draft picks. Hey, maybe let's draft a, a nice uh, left tackle for Justin Fields so that he has a little bit more time. Maybe we get him another weapon or two or another defensive player. Whatever it is, you've got at some point to start building. You cannot. Start building your Lego house and then rip it down as soon as you get three Lego Lego layers in because you're never going to get to the top. I do not understand this at all. No, this is ridiculous. Chicago fans, you should get loud and say, we got to give this guy at least one more year and keep Justin Fields. Well, just make sure that you're going to pay Justin Fields if you do decide to do that. that he's eligible for it. And... I would also say, let's make sure we get the offensive coordinator right. Fields is apparently really good, and, and he's in with, and he's friendly, and like they, they hang out on the in the off season uh, with what Geddes. But I, I'm looking, I'm thinking there, there's there's more to it than what we can 
what we can perceive it to be with Fields. And the number one pick is massive. What do they want and how much do they love the top quarterbacks? Well, with that being said, Hut, Caleb Williams will not be the number one overall pick. This is overreaction. I, I, I see. I, Kelly, I view this as very cyclical. All of the hype about Caleb Williams. It was close to, but it wasn't the same as Trevor Lawrence, where it's just perceived to be we know the number one overall pick. Preseason. He's saying he doesn't want to play for certain teams. He may consider coming back. Uh, everyone thought that was Arizona. Who knows? He's liking tweets that have him not going to Chicago. I'm here to say that it's cyclical. There's going to be a lot of criticism with Caleb Williams. There's a team that will trade up and draft him because no one in the media is going to start chirping about Caleb Williams the way they did and definitively say he's number one overall if they're not hearing it from multiple people across the league. You know, our guest earlier, uh, John, said, hey, guess what? None of this stuff matters. How they played in college doesn't matter. It only matters how fast they can run in the tights uh, and underwear at the combine. I am going to keep the Caleb Williams slander to a minimum until I see how well he does in the combine. What I saw from him in college, not that impressed. Granted, he probably needed to play with a better defense, but not only his lack of leadership skills, his lack of maturity, and then all of a sudden coming in here with demands, wanting shareholder type ownership yeah. of an NFL team. I think we need to pump the brakes, but I am curious to see how well he does in the combine. Right now he's minus $5, is a $5 favorite uh, to be the first player drafted in this year's NFL draft. Yeah, you had Peyton Manning, who Bud Adams with the Titans wanted to give him uh, part ownership. He couldn't do it against the rules. Caleb Williams can't do it, even if he wanted to. Same for Aaron Rodgers in New York. Kelly, thank you so much for filling in, sitting in the co-host chair. It's been great. Uh, it's been a wonderful time. Thank you guys for having me, and I will fill in for either you or Chad at any point in time. Back at it for the Wednesday edition tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern, our start time. For Hot My with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.